Welcome to Chit Chat with Hope. Good night. Good night. Good night. Tonight we're going to chat, or at least I'm going to be chatting with you tonight, on a topic that no one, at least I've never heard anyone speak on this particular topic. We um, tend to hear that children regress, which is so true, but we've never really, you know, I've never really, um, like, heard anyone actually talk about parents regressing, you know, and tonight, I'm not going to be with you for a very long time, it's going to be a very short podcast tonight, however, right, I want to talk about this regression of parents, and um, it's basically the same thing. It's just to return at your former or less developed state, right? <coughs> Excuse me. My allergies acting up, and I'm apologizing way ahead of any other cough or sneeze, okay? Yes, okay? So, again, return to your former or less developed state, right? And that would be regression, right? It would be like you're losing a skill, or where you're you're at, right? You're returning to that prior level, right? And for most parents um, that have their children evaluate, right? We do it because we've noticed things are just not moving along as far as the meeting milestone or even, you know, following the let's say, the blueprint of another child or other children at that age, right? They're just not following. It's taking them longer, if not, or they're not even meeting those milestones, right? Okay. And for a lot of parents, when we finally um, find ourselves, and when I said find ourselves is, you know, after we get that initial diagnose of autism, you know, for a lot of us, we're lost, we're in denial, some of us are so hurt, we're upset, we're angry, and then we get to that place, well, none of what I'm feeling is going to make a difference unless I jump up and actually make a difference. And here where we, here where some of us may or is regressing is, we start by, you know, we start with this fire in our bones, right? We're fire up. You know, we're fire up for this journey with our child, right? And then we're doing everything in our power to do what we have to do. So we left the crying. We left the depression. We left all of that junk, right, in the back. And we are just looking up things and we're doing the PT and the OT and the speech and we're just doing what we got to do. And then we start figuring out, well, it's been two years, it's been a year, I haven't seen any change or I've seen changes but not as much as I would want to see. And then you start dropping back where within your heart you start saying, well, why bother? And then your whole, the fire that you had in you, it start to diminish. 
you no longer have that fire to push ahead, push ahead, push ahead and not worry. You start thinking that, well, it's been six months and I don't see anything going on. It's been a year and I don't see much changes. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that our children need grace. You need grace. I need grace. We cannot measure our children's skills on how we feel it should be. If they're not speaking and they're getting speech and they went in being nonverbal and now they're saying four, five, six, eight different words, you or I or someone else might figure, well, six months, why are they saying a you know, a whole sentence. Why aren't they saying more? Why aren't they doing more? And then you might figure, you know, instead of three times a week, you know, what the heck? Two times, you know, I'm tired anyway. You start going two times, right? Instead of you start doing your vocabulary at home and, you know, or I, you know, no stress, you know, not disrespecting, not judging, but I'm just trying to let you know that parents can regress too. You know, when we're fired up in the, in the beginning, we're doing all these different things at home and, you know, and then you get to that point where you start feeling, well, I don't think it's working, so why bother? So some people might just drop whatever that particular therapy is for the summertime. You know, when your kids get out of school, you might be like, well, you know, whatever, we'll pick it up again, you know, when the kids go back to school. Or you might just say, well, you know what it is? He gets it in school, why should I do it at home, Right? The speech that he gets at school is enough, you know, or the OT that he gets at school is enough. I'm not going to go twice a week to that other place that I take him. You know, I'm just going to let him do everything in school, you know, whatever, whatever, because it's not working. What I want you to know is every child is different. Some children, when they start OT, PT speech, whatever they have started, right, it might be three months, and you'll see a huge improvement. And for some kids, it takes a little longer, right? However, I am going to ask you, as I do myself, whatever you was doing in the beginning when you found out, after you have left depression, after you have left denial, after you have left, I'm so hurt, after you have left, all I want to do is scream. I want you to start thinking of all the things you were doing. And if you're not doing them now, I want you to start again, right? If you were somebody that used to do vocabularies at home and have your children or your child say the word and repeat the word and attach it to a, you know, something meaningful, you know, a cup, and show him a cup or show her a cup and, you know, glass, fork, spoon. You know, do these things in your home. Do these things in your home. For a lot of our children, they need a lot more time to connect what you're saying cognitively, okay? For a lot of our children, their age is completely different compared to their understanding, 
right? Remember, in order to have a good conversation, we have to be able to let others understand us. And we also have to be understood by others as well as understand others. So it goes both ways, right? So if you, if you just think about it, if the child is nine and cognitively the child is four, that's five years different, even though you might not think of it, but that's five years different. That's like you would expect the average five-year-old to be understanding everything a nine-year-old with. Well, it's, two, it's like it's two things you're looking at when you're looking at that child. The child actually is nine, but functioning at four or five. So you got to give that child grace, okay? Just work with what you have. Work with your child. You know, I'm asking you, don't regress. Don't go back to, you know, to where you were before you, you, you know, you were on fire for finding and for doing and for doing and for doing. Go back to that fire. Even if you don't see a fire, light that fire back in your soul. Just do what you have to do. Wherever our children is going to be as far as their level, it is what it is. Okay, but doing and doing and doing and doing and doing is also part of our job, and it is what it is. Okay, it is what it is. We can always improve our children, improve what they're doing. And even if we don't see things right away jumping at us, we still got to keep going. We just got to keep going, mamas and daddies and caregivers. We just got to keep going because these kids are filled with surprises. You just never know. You know, you just never know. My son stopped talking for two and a half years. And I'll never forget that Friday I was home and I was the one picked him up that Friday off the bus, okay? I got him that Friday after the bus, right? At the bus. We walked upstairs. I sat on my bed like I always did, took his jacket off, and he looked at me and he said, Mama. And I had that poor child repeat that word for about a thousand times because I was shocked. I have not heard his voice in two and a half years, Okay? Two and a half years. He was four. He stopped talking at two. He was four then when he said mama. And that one word meant the world to me. And I kept doing what I was doing. I never stopped even though he lost his voice. I still wanted him to understand what a, what a bed was or, you know, get the sheet, get the blanket. I still wanted him to understand concrete. Even if he never spoke another word again, I still wanted him to understand if I said, go and get your pillow, okay? Go get this, go get that, okay? I still wanted to keep that communication open where he was able to understand me and others, Right, because that would be also a way that he would stay safe. Understanding you can't do something unless you get help. Understanding that if you need help, come and get me. 
I kept that door open. I never stopped and said, oh, well, even though we were both learning sign languages, I was learning sign language along with my son, I still never stopped. I still never stopped. I still kept saying, you know, we're going to the post office. At the post office, I'm going to drop the mail off. I would give him the letter, and I would show him the little chute and let him drop the mail in there. I would let him know that the mail comes from here, and then the mailman gets the mail, and then he puts it in our mailbox, and that's how we get our mail. I always explain things to him. When it was Christmas, I always let him identify with the different music that was playing. Let him identify with the lights, with the, with the pine trees. Let him identify with the Santa Claus, even though I don't believe in Santa Claus, but I know it's part of the whole theme of Christmas. So that's another story all of its own, that I don't believe in it. But I wanted him to understand that a lot of people do believe in this. He didn't understand that, but within myself, that's what I was identifying with. I don't believe in Halloween, not to judge anyone, but I still wanted him to know what it was that when he went to school, he was in daycare, early intervention. Well, I said daycare is early intervention. Then he went to aftercare, which was actually daycare. I wanted him to understand, right? I wanted him to understand that people give candy. You can't get candy from everyone and you eat it. You got to give it to mommy. Well, you got to give it to your dad, which, you know, at that time his dad was living at home. But you can't eat it right away. The only time you can eat it is when you get a candy from your teacher, okay? That's when you can have the candy without bringing it home. But anyone else give you a candy, you got to bring it home. So, see, even though he was not still talking, I still continue to talk to him. I still had expectation of him. I still was teaching him the things that I would if he was still talking, okay? I would still tell him his name, his full name. Yes, I would still tell him his full name. Your name is blah, blah, blah. I would still tell him his birthday. Your birthday is March. And tell him the date and tell him the year. I did. I did. I still told him where he live. I still did these things. I still spoke to him. I am going to work today. I still taught him the days of the week. I bought socks that had Monday on it. I bought socks that had Tuesdays on it, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the whole the whole week. And I would put the socks on his foot and I would tell him Monday. Today's the first day of school. Because it's the first day of the week. Tuesday. And we would count it down. Friday he would know the weekend started. And this is the last day you go to school until Monday comes back. I did the same thing with the year. It's January. I had a, I had a calendar uh, with, um, with magnet. I let him put the magnet on whatever we did. We're going to the doctor's appointment. He saw the little picture of a doctor. That's, so we have an appointment that day. He put the magnet on it. I would let him look outside the window before we went before he um, left for um, before he left for um, air, um, early intervention, his little early intervention school. He would look out the window. I said, "It's cloudy, very cloudy." We would find the cloud. We would put the magnet on the cloud. 
it's raining, we would put it. I still wanted him to learn the same things that he would have if he was speaking. Because even though he wasn't speaking, he understood. And then when he went outside and, he, and saw the clouds, then I'd point to the cloud. When he saw the rain, I would point to the rain and let him know it's raining. So we got to go back. So when in the evening, if it didn't rain in the morning and it rained when he was picked up, then he knew he had to go put his magnet on the rain. So all that time, did I, was I 100% sure that he understood everything? No, I wasn't. I knew he understands some things, but was I 100% sure? No. However, that never stopped me from stop speaking to him. His siblings still spoke to him and all of that good stuff, right? Okay. When he went to kindergarten and a teacher asked him his name, he told her his full name. She said, I know you work with them at home. And I asked her why she said that. She said, in a class of 12 children, everyone told me their first name. Your son told me his entire name. All the children knew the month they were born in and the date. Your son is the only one that knew the year. All I'm saying is, we don't know what's sticking and what's not sticking when we speak, even though they're nonverbal. Some of them will remain nonverbal, but there are so many different ways of communicating. They have communicated board. Now we can text. Now there's all different ways that people talk, make conversation, have discussion. Okay? So even if your child never get back his voice, don't stop speaking to them because there are other ways that they can speak to you. There's sign language, but there's so many other ways. So many other ways that children, even adults. So what I am, what I would like for you to take away from this podcast is, if your child spoke, said words, and is not saying any words, please keep working with them. If your child is taking longer to walk, please encourage them. I know you do. But see, when we lose that fire, our encouragement is not filled with fire. And when you're fighting for something and you want it desperately, you have to fight the same way you want it, which is desperately. You got to be on fire. Okay? You got to be on fire. Okay? You have to be on fire. Don't regress. Don't become discouraged. Don't regress. Don't become depressed because things are not moving along as fast as you would want it to move along. We have to remember, whatever level your child is, whatever level my child is or was, that's the level they are. Even if they're in a body that is 10, if they're performing cognitively as somebody seven, that is three years difference that you're asking this kid to get overnight. Boom, boom, boom. It's not going to happen. 
child is going to be seven mentally, and then you got to work on them to get to be eight and nine and ten and so on and so forth until they catch up. And they might catch up where, you know what it is? They might be 12 and they're functioning at 10 and 11 years. It's not a big difference then. It's not that huge of a difference then, you know, because most 10-year-olds kind of understand you know, get the drift of 11th year old. It's just that when the milestone gets so three, four year gap, then it's like a big deal. But don't stop. Don't please don't get discouraged when you don't see things right away. You know, don't get discouraged. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of um, children that have um, autism and they also have other disabilities, right? The primary disability might be autism, but some of our children also have other disabilities. It might be being mobile, you know, independently. They might be in a wheelchair, so on and so forth. What I'm saying is, you know what? I'm not saying don't be, don't want the best for your children, because we all do. But at some point, we have to remember that our children, they're fighting when they go to um, OT and PT. They're fighting. They are really fighting when they go to speech and trying their best. They're on fire. Their fire needs to be met with fire, which means that their fire needs to be met with the same fire that we have as parents, right? You know, that we have, you know, and... um which it is just one of those things that it is what it is. And I know it's it's a tiring work. Very tired. Because I'm telling you, I'm tired. So I can't imagine if someone have a child that you know, have more than one children that really needs them ongoing. But what I'm saying is keep going. You're you're making you're making such progress. Keep going. Don't regress. I'm asking you, don't regress. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. My son was two when he lost his voice. And when I read the report that he went back to eight months cognitively, ooh, moderate to, to moderate, moderate to severe speech regression. Ooh, wow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I tell you? Wow. This is a child that was saying, give me juice, the doorbell. You know, the bell couldn't ring fast enough for him to tell somebody, the door, the door. Couldn't see a dog without pointing the dog out and say, a doggy, look at the doggy. The dog is in the street. The dog is playing. You know, was just as chatty as he wanted to be. And then regressed to sounding more or less like a seven-month baby, making all these noises and, you know, just, you know, baby, the way babies talk to you with no words, but, you know, they're, you know, doing their little chat. All right, and fast forward now to a 16-year-old that his vocabulary sounds like he's 17, 18. So we don't know 
we don't know the future. We really don't. Because if you had told me this, then, even though I wanted it, I don't know if I would believe you, but I do know that I kept on fighting because there was not anything in me to quit. Because I can't push him to go to PT three times a week while he was in school, while, you know, at the early intervention, three times a week. I can't encourage him to go, and then I lax off when he come home, and I'm not talking to him, you know, how was your day? And however he answered me, he answered me. That was okay. However he could, he did. You know, just like anything else, just like you have a baby and the baby's four months and you don't expect the baby to have a, a real conversation, you know, the way a three-year-old would. But whatever that child say to you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, really? And then you'd continue and the child would say something else and the back and forth. Don't look at the complete everything at the beginning. We have to continue until we continue. There's no ending. There's no, you know, I'm done. Even when our children are very independent, you know, like I said, I keep, I'll just keep sharing my life with you. My son is 16. He's very independent. But the only thing that I know, that this goes for a lot of children, he really sees the goodness in everyone, and that scares me. You know, it's like he ha it's like we have to, we try not to, sh I try not to shelter him. His siblings try not to shelter him. But in the pit of my stomach, you know, with the way people are so cruel, I'm always nervous. So even though your children are very, you know, might become very independent, you're always going to be very concerned about emotionally how they are because he's such a kind person. These, you know, these kids are like, they have not a mean bone in their body. And they really think everybody's like that until they get hurt, until someone says something bad or someone physically hit them or, you know, just pushed them aside. That's when they know that, you know, this person is not nice. Unlike, let's say, for example, unlike his other siblings, okay, his other siblings, you know, he could just sum up a person just without that person even having contact with them. He just knew this person was no good or they were no good. My Most children with autism... They just see people through their own eyes. And there's always, I'm not saying sometimes they don't, you know, be turned off by people, but for the most part, they really feel that everyone is a good person. And that is just the scary part of children being independent. Okay, very scary because, you know, you don't want your kids to think everybody's kind because everyone is not kind. <laughs> Everyone is just not kind. But I just want you to know, keep going. Keep going, my friends. Keep going. No one knows the future. No one. Absolutely no one knows the future. Absolutely no one knows the future. No one knows the future. 
no one knows what, you know, what any child can and cannot do. That's just, for, that's something for the divine, you know, the man above, the divine. But our job is never to be caught sleeping on the job. So I'm just asking you to just really focus on your child's journey. Try not to get so focused on not seeing what you would like to see because it's been a year, it's been six months, it's been three months. Don't worry about those things. Sometimes the changes are so subtle that we can't see them. And if we weren't so caught up in seeing the big things, right, we would have seen that little, mm, that little, mm, you know, that the child have moved, okay? So I want you to be so focused that you're seeing, even when you're not seeing, you're knowing that something is happening, okay? Because um, as parents, we really can't, we can't throw the ball away. We just can't throw in our towels, we just got to keep going. We just got to keep going. We just have to keep going. Okay? We can't even look at other people. We can't even look at other people's world. We can't look at we can't look at anything. We just got to keep going. We just got to keep going. All right? So, I'm going to bid you good night and as usual, please take care of yourself. Excuse me, my allergies acting up or trying to act up. Take care of yourself. Take care of your household. Send in your love.